Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, clinical professor of medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. Today, we'll talk about Omicron as our new contagion, the latest twist in the pandemic. Oh, my, my. Omicron is here and winter has come. COVID-19, two years in the making, two years of isolation for most of us. This long two-year pause had forced us to quickly pivot, transform to a new way of doing things, new way to connect, and new way to serve and show others that we care. It also has shown us inequality, divisiveness, selfishness, and greed. What are we learning? And what else can we learn? And how? How can we cope and maintain our resilience, our sense of hope, optimism, positivity, and discard negativism and greed? For the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and now the New Year coming up, many of us have agonized weighing in the risk and benefit of traveling to see our loved ones. Many of us have had it and decided to just see families and relatives and friends, regardless of the risk. Few months ago, just as we thought we are about to resume life as we once knew it, Omicron arrived and quickly spread with a vengeance, leading to more uncertainties. In early December, Omicron was about 1% to 3% of all the cases, and now it accounts for 75 to 85% of new cases. The total reported for the past week was the highest of the pandemic. The numbers of hospitalized and deaths are quickly rising. People are losing confidence in winning this warfare. People are getting tired, fearful, and uncertain as to where this will go. Testing lines are longer once again, and supplies are getting harder to access. Hospital ICUs are 95% capacities nationwide and all at once. Doctors' empathy and compassion are waning. Healthcare staff getting burned out, overwhelmed, and sick. Airlines canceling flights as more staff get sick. This holiday season, it's estimated that more than 100 million Americans are traveling. 35% increase from 2020. Schools, again, are threatened to close. Businesses, which are not back to pre-pandemic stage, may have to close again. Omicron, though not causing severe disease, is spreading so viciously that hospitals are worried that healthcare workers will get infected in large numbers, leading to straining an already overburdened system. Another unknown is how influenza will interact with Omicron and whatever mutant may surface in the future. Today, we'll talk about Omicron as we leave year 2021. Happy New Year, Nicole, and how are you holding up? 
Hi, Happy New Year. I am so happy to be back and I'm healthy and strong right now. I'm thankful that I can share this information and all these updates and advice to all your listeners. This morning, as I prepare for this podcast, I force myself to basically be mindful of the moment. As I was putting my eyeliner, I said, oh my God, I still have control of my hand. I have my eyes to see where my eyeliner goes. I was sipping my coffee and I could swallow well. And I could think of my patients who are losing their vision, my patients with Parkinson's disease who can't control their moment-to-moment activity and not able to swallow very well and have to choke sometimes with their food. I could think of many of these patients who don't have all the senses that we have. And I become so appreciative of what we have. This year comes to a close. You really learn to appreciate and value what you have right now in this present moment. And I do think that's such a beautiful thing in all this difficulty that we've been having over the last few years with COVID. Thank you for going (laughs) to my show. And let me reintroduce you. Nicole will be a forever stamp for ABCs for Global Health. She joined us as an intern about three to four years ago now. She was my scribe at Stanford then. And the word out there is this. You don't interface with Dr. Gabiola without hearing about ABCs for Global Health. (laughs) Anyway, Nicole went to the Philippines with me and was quite engaged with our community projects for a month. Since then, she had been and continued to be such a great mentor to our high school, college, and medical students. And now she is doing her master's in global health at UC San Francisco. Now, Omicron. Yay, yay, yay. Ay, ay, ay. What do you think? How We could start by just saying, do you feel like we're back to where we were two years ago when we first found out about COVID-19? Yes and no, but not really. We are better than two years ago, I believe. And here's why. We have accomplished so much the last two years. Right now, we have about 11 vaccines available globally. More people are getting vaccinated, including children as young as five years old, plus the vaccinated people, plus the infected people contributing now to our herd immunity, at least in the United States and many other countries. In the U.S., 75 to 85 percent of the population have had at least one dose. About 50 percent have been infected. Vaccines are shared with more countries in the world, and many countries have been 75 to 85 percent vaccinated. And of course, more to be done, right? And now it's exciting. We have antivirals from Merck and Pfizer. They're here and they can cut the rate of hospitalization if given early. We have the monoclonal antibodies if given at the early stage of the disease can be helpful in preventing severity. Convalescent antibodies, which are the rich plasma donated from people who recovered from the virus, are here and had been achieving some good outcome data. We have more ongoing clinical trials on drug therapies, so more will emerge in the future. We as people are more resilient, more compassionate, and more understanding, although we're getting tired. Yes. Hospitals, institutions, medical personnel are better prepared, I think, although that will be put into some 
test again coming up here. Safety nets are getting reestablished everywhere else, more attention to equitable distribution of resources. And now a billion home testing kits are being deployed. Out of that billion home testing, it will be an average of 200 million rapid tests will be available each month. Although not a 100% guarantee of accuracy, rapid home testing is another layer of protection, another way to be able to make wise decisions. And it helps us make a decision whether it's safe to visit grandma, for example, or our immune-suppressed relatives. All of those are available and you could find them online, although I heard recently that the supply has been really reduced because of the holiday travel, right? So we have Abbott, Binax, QuickView, Interval. BD, Telesweb. I think you could find them like Wired Magazine has a great summary of all this testing and how to evaluate them. And at least the rapid testing can identify probably about 95 to 98% of the cases who are infectious. I know at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of debate whether the rapid test was as effective as the PCR. So it's nice that they kind of opened it up now and see that it is still an effective test. It's still predictive and it could help avoid maybe someone going into a clinic and getting exposed or exposing others as well. So that's great. And there's definitely a shortage because I was trying to get one for my parents the other day and they're sold out at all the CVSs everywhere. I heard that from other people as well because of the travel, right? I'm glad that you clarified that. Although the rapid testing may have a little bit less accuracy than the PCR, which is still the gold standard. The PCR is a lot more laborious. You don't get the results right away. It still takes 24 to 48 hours. They're more expensive and you have to go into an institution, whereas the home testing, you could do it at the privacy of your own home. You don't have to be exposed. And it gives you somehow an idea whether you have to go to that group activity, whether you will see grandma, as I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do it right before you leave for the airport or 15 minutes in your car before you get to see grandma. Yeah. 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 That's great. And then what do you think is Omicron and what is the difference between Omicron and Delta? Omicron surfaced out about a month ago now, reported in South Africa first, and the initial data, it spread viciously, and it's a highly infectious and highly transmissible variant. Uh, But the symptoms are fortunately mild, they're subtle, and very vague. It looks like almost like just really a simple cold with sore throat, runny nose, headache, fatigue, and decreased energy. You may or may not have a fever and you may or may not lose your taste and smell. So those taste and smell are reported to be like 23% and 12% respectively. Whereas Delta presents with fever, cough, shortness of breath, loss of taste, smell, and severe fatigue, and then rapid progression to a severe stage. And in fact, requiring more hospitalization and more ICU admission. And we're not seeing that with Omicron. Right. Omicron seems to evade a prior immunologic defense derived from vaccine and from natural infection. People vaccinated or who had infection with the Delta, they still can get Omicron. 
But fortunately, we are finding out that the two vaccines in the U.S. still seems to work against moderate and severe disease requiring hospitalization. And also, it seems that the booster also helps tremendously. So if you haven't gotten your initial vaccination, go and get them. And if you were vaccinated, go boosted up. And it may well be that after the first booster, you may need, again, another booster. They're testing that out in Israel now, the fourth booster. And who can we expect to be at risk for the new variant? All of us at our risk, but it's mainly the unvaccinated people who tend to show more progression to severe disease, requiring hospitalization, at least seeking medical attention. And also the vaccinated immune suppressed people who don't have a choice. It's just their condition puts them at risk. Like these are the people with solid tumors, hematologic malignancy, the blood cancer, as you may recall, and the people who are on immunosuppressive drugs like prednisone, methotrexate, and a lot of the other immunosuppressives out there, including rituximab, etc. People with comorbid states, like for example, are obese individuals, people with diabetes, people with chronic disease like hypertension, coronary artery disease, stroke, neurodegenerative disease like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, dementia. So those people may need really close surveillance and education that if symptomatic, go and have early testing or if exposed, get testing right away so the treatment can occur right away. Yeah, absolutely. What's our level of worry that we should share with the listeners regarding the new variant? Well, worried or not, as we exit 2021, I think the prime worry is how Omicron spreads, even if it's not deadly, as you mentioned. The last two weeks alone, there was an 85% increase in the cases, increase in hospitalization, and increased deaths. The worrisome part is it's all over. Like before with Delta, a pocket on the East Coast, a pocket on the West Coast, and then the middle part of our country, right? We are able to help other states intermittently with our resources. But now Omicron seems to hit all the states at the same time, depleting our resources. So there is a limitation in what we can share across state lines. And I'm worried that our healthcare workers will get sick all at the same time. And what would we do now? Would we send people away? Would get depleted with our resources? And I think, worried or not, I'm a believer in terms of what can we do, right? Right, right, exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you is what can we do to slow the spread of Omicron and also just make sure we're not only protecting ourselves, but protecting everyone that we're interacting with as well. There you go. As I mentioned, I'm a believer of action, what to do rather than be worried about, because I could worry perpetually for things that may or may not happen. What can we do now as individuals? One is self-care. Take care of ourselves. Boost your immune system. Eat healthy. Maintain adequate physical activity, adequate sleep, stress reduction, however that could be done, and be self-compassionate. And then number two is continue public health measures. Guys, these measures still work. Masking, 
hand washing, social distancing, avoid mass gathering in enclosed space specifically. And now I think upgrading your cotton mask with maybe your cotton mask and then another surgical mask. Or if you travel and you're in an enclosed space and the airplane for a long period of time, maybe this is the time to deploy your N95 or KN95, which also works for kids because they could be adjusted. The sizes are adjustable. All these measures still work. And it really bugs me when I see people still not masking and you don't even know whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. I think that's very irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I have to say this. Yeah. Then the next one will be get your vaccines if you haven't gotten them. And for those who had the initial series, get a booster. The vaccination, as I mentioned, plus the booster decrease your risk, although it's not zero. And the data is really surfacing fast that this vaccination and booster help decrease the likelihood of infection. And then I think the next one will be get tested. If you hear that you got exposed, get tested. Mm -hmm. or get tested if you have symptoms. As I mentioned, the symptoms of Omicron are vague. It can be just a little runny nose or sore throat. Get tested anyway. This is how you could make others be safe around you. Get tested right before big gathering or get tested before you see relatives, especially relatives who are at risk. The home testing are easy, requires 15 minutes of your time, and then you go. You could tell whether I am a little bit safer. And then limit your bubble, limit your circle, and limit group activities, especially indoor activities. And you could gather outside, it's even better, but now winter, everything would like to be indoor and it's raining even in some parts of the world and snowing, which we need, of course, in California. And then for people who are at high risk, people in schools, for example, involved in sports and health institutions, workers, frequent rapid testing is a must for these people. And then I know this is the highest travel time of the year. Limit our travel to only important and crucial events. And as I mentioned, while in your flight, Keep your mask on. Ask yourself, would you need that extra peanut or almond? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I eat up before I travel. I don't have to pull down that mask. And if I pull down that mask to drink my liquids to help equalize, I pull up my mask. And so I expose a little bit part of my mouth to drink, but I still have my nose and part of my mouth covered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, it's flu season, right? So get your flu shots. And if you're immunosuppressed, limit your contact with people, get boosted, and then there might be another booster available for immunosuppressed people. And then, as I mentioned, if you got exposed or get symptomatic, get tested early. Yeah. And I think this winter time, everyone was a little bit worried because we knew it was going to be cold. It's flu season. And now we don't know, is it allergies? Is it the flu? Is it Omicron? So I definitely agree on the getting tested frequently, get tested early. 
better safe than sorry, right? Just protect yourself and your friends and family. And you know, in the case that we do get infected, what do you recommend we do if we were to get infected and have that well, positive test? I think if you are infected, obviously do your due diligence and wear a mask and isolate yourself from others if possible. Mm-hmm. And as this pandemic had revealed that in some household, they cannot really isolate because there right. are like eight or 10 people in a two bedroom apartment. If you could pull away yourself, try to pull yourself away. And if you have to share common areas, a frequent disinfection of those common areas, like the bathrooms, the switches, the knobs, handles, etc. And if you could have the benefit of HEPA filter or cleaner, that will be even an additive benefit. And then notify your contacts, like people you had been in contact with the past three to five days. Notify them. Notify work. And if you're a student, notify the school. If you're a parent, notify other parents. And your doctor, especially if you have comorbid conditions that could accelerate your progression to a moderate or severe disease. So notify your doctor. And then I would monitor symptoms. I said, for example, COVID had really forced us to be able to self-monitor ourselves because we can't be in the public. The public can't see you. And so you get isolated, which is a terrible time to be isolated when you're ill. But that's the way it is. So monitor your symptoms. And then pulse oximetry are out there. Some are more reliable than others, but get one pulse oximetry. Those are the gadget that you put on your finger to monitor your pulse ox or oxygenation. If it's dipping and the trend is progressively going down, then you seek medical advice. So follow the trend. And of course, if you have trouble breathing and having chest pain or changes in your mental status, seek advice. The critical period is those five to 10 days. I experienced that myself. I initially started with just sore throat, cough, and progressively got shortness of breath. And it accelerated rapidly that I couldn't breathe anymore. Yeah, it's definitely important to observe and maintain yourself. And they always say doctors are the worst patients, right? Because you're like, I'm fine. I don't need it. And then the time comes when you really need to take action and take care of yourself as well. Well, we're glad you're okay, Dr. Gabiola. (laughs) I have yet to do other things and I have more missions to accomplish. Exactly. We're not done yet. So I'm not ready yet to go to see St. Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other statistics that you want to share with your listeners about how Omicron has been developing? The current statistics are worrisome, right? And because of the current stats and how it spreads quickly, I am afraid that Omicron will quickly overwhelm our hospital capacity, despite the already existing herd immunity. For example, in New York alone, an average of 20,000 cases occur each day. Yeah. And a whopping 585% increase from the average just the last two weeks. Since the pandemic, one out of six had been infected. And the number of hospitalized and deaths are also quickly rising. And this is true around the counties. In New York and in different states, if you look at every state, the trajectory is worrisome. And for example, in the U.S. alone, there are more than 820,000 deaths reported in total, the highest number of any country. And globally, more than 5.4 million deaths 
So that is a lot. I mean, it overwhelms me when I look at the statistics and it makes me more anxious. As we brace for Omicron spread, I would suggest know your risk in your community and adjust accordingly. And that will be mainly probably paring down your New Year celebration. Yeah. And again, I always say this cliche, better safe than sorry, really like weigh the risk and the benefits of things. If maybe this is the one New Year's or the second New Year's that you have to pare down and have something small, I feel like it's really, really worth it to take care of yourself and your friends and family. I know people are tired. Two years in the making, as I mentioned, of isolation, people are just ready to pull down their mask, ready to just socialize, no matter what the risk is. My worry is the more infection, the more likely a new variant will emerge. So Omicron would not be the last one. Uh, I know we'll have more and we'll be trying to keep on top of the virus as it emerges. My message is really to have people vaccinated and think beyond yourself and think more about others. Absolutely. I hope that that's a lesson that we've all learned in these last few years and find that humanity in us again to work together, to be together. And we're really all in this. It's a pandemic. It's a global pandemic. There's not one place that's more important than the other, right? We all have to collaborate with each other and take care of one another to make sure we come out of this stronger than we were before. Absolutely. If we could do that, I have my strong trust with humanity that the willingness to help others and to serve others will emerge from this COVID-19. It's now COVID-2021 and coming up here, COVID-22. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me. Of course, I would love to continue updating everyone when we find out more information as this progresses. Thank you so much again, Nicole. And it's really nice that you continue to help us with ABCs for Global Health. And I really do appreciate your mentoring. It helps others to see the value of what we do for the underprivileged. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy holidays to everyone. Yeah. And be safe out there, you guys. And uh, Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with family and friends. Rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, ACAS, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you on our next episode.